Hello, it's Paul Scott here, UK small caps commentator, stroke investor, sort of analyst of sorts, I suppose, as well, uh, and writer with Graham Neary of the Small Cap Valley Reports on Stockopedia, now in our 11th year. Well, crazy, crazy week this week. We covered 62 companies, which is by a, a huge margin, a, a new all-time record. What we're trying to do is to cover, I wouldn't say everything, because it's impossible uh, in reporting season, but we're trying to cover almost everything, that, and, and particularly things that look price-sensitive. So our reports are driven by trading updates and results uh, statements, primarily. And um, so we focus on the ahead of expectations ones and the profit warnings. And then if we've got time, we cover some of the inline and we give an opinion, just an opinion on every uh, stock, even if it's to say we're neutral or whatever. But usually we uh, we can we try and sum up the, 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 the bear points and the bull points. So, right, let's launch straight in. So Monday I looked at. Uh, oh, no, hang on. I should first say Graham published a his own watch list for 2023 i encouraged him to do this because he covers different sectors to me graham neary uh, my co-writer he particularly focuses on a certain financial sector because he's a former fund manager and um so that's a separate article on stockopedia got loads of thumbs up the readers clearly liked it so have a look at that that was on monday okay first off i looked at keller klr and now they announced they've identified a fraud at their Australian Australian unit, but it looks ring fence. Uh, it looks to be hitting profits this year by about twelve percent, and it had a similar effect on the share price. Obviously, that's not good news, but um, rest of the group is trading well, and the shares look good value. I think. Uh, next, I looked at let's get the cursor to work. Advanced Medical Solutions in line with expectations for 2022 and confident outlook looks quite good, but I think it's overpriced on 24 times. Uh, strong balance sheet and high margins. Next, it was Robert Walters RWA. This is one of two very good um, staffing companies that we particularly like at the Small Cap Value Reports. The other one being uh, uh, what's it called? STEM S T E M, which is reporting soon. S3 is the name of that company. So now Robert Walters is saying that conditions toughened in Q4. I think we had a similar type of thing from STEM recently as well. Um, profits slightly below market expectations. Uh, so, so I think generally with the staffing sector, we should expect a softer year in 2023. But of course, the share prices arguably have already factored that in. They've dropped a lot. If you want good quality cyclical businesses with nice strong balance sheets, Robert Walters has got 96 million net cash. Then at some point, you know, it's impossible to time the exact low of the share price, isn't it? But at some point, I think that'll be a nice one just to buy and hold. Next, we have SIG. Uh, this is an interesting turnaround, so I flagged it green on my spreadsheet. Oh, Robert Walters was green and Keller were green as well. Because of the valuation AMS, Advanced Medical, I'm putting in as Amber. So we're just doing a traffic light system on this spreadsheet that you can uh, quickly go to and see a whole month's worth of SCVRs on the page at once. It's I've created a monster. It's absolute hell to update. It takes me ages, but I think it's worth doing. So, yeah, interesting turnaround at SIG. I've said here leverage looks more reasonable. Next, we have Mark's Electrical, MLK. I'm Amber on this on valuation terms. Uh, impressive performance, good revenue growth, but it does look pricey. I think now it's had a very, very strong rebound. So I think that one probably needs to 
consolidate uh, at the current level or a bit below. But it's an impressive company. Um, I, yeah, I like the business model there. Shrewd founder managers, management who you know keep really keeping a lid on costs, which you've got to in a in a in a it's it's electrical retailer, very low margin sector. But I think Mark's Electrical is a nice uh, growth company in that a challenger in that sector. Next, Gresham Technologies. I'm going green on this one. Uh, trading update for December 2022. Impressive growth, strong Q4. Now, I've said here, I think this looks a breakthrough year with profits. It's been promising jam tomorrow for many, many years. It's a niche software company, but it seems to finally have, have cracked it. So I'm, I, I'm, I'm starting to look more positively at GHT. So that's worth a look. Next, we've got Supreme. This is the vaping and lighting company uh, in line with lowered expectations. We had a profit warning in July. Looks good value, P of 10, so I've gone green on that one. Uh, Step Cement, a really bizarre company, STCM, selling cement in Kazakhstan and listed on AIM. What could possibly go wrong, I've put here jokingly. But actually, it looks pretty good. It's been listed here since 2005, just paid a big divvy. So, yeah, I think that it's not something I would personally invest in, but it looks uh, actually a pretty decent business. Tops Tiles, I like. TPT, I'm green on that. In line with expectations, reasonably priced. Uh, it is expecting um, a greater H2 weighting in 2023. Um, now, interestingly, this is the one of quite a few companies now that's saying their supply chains costs are starting to ease, or at least they can see visibility towards costs easing in terms of... And that's because, of course, freight costs are now much, much cheaper. Um, maybe we've seen the worst of the energy crisis, I don't know. Uh, and a competitor's bought a 30% stake in um, Tops Tiles. So I might uh, I might pick up a, uh, a little starter-sized position in that, just um, on hopes that it might get a takeover bid. And I think it's fundamentally quite a good business and quite cheap. So next, Cortex. Uh, nice business, but it's too expensive. Uh, forecasts have been cut for 2023. It's on 31 times now. I just don't... I don't understand the valuation because it's not really um I mean yes it's growing with new subscribers but not that fast and it seems to be largely replacing churn and it's seeing downward pressure on pricing so um it is a good business but it's just too expensive for me uh Barrett development I had a quick look at mid-cap house builder sharp slow down as expected all the builders are saying this now they're obviously going to have a tough year in 2023 but they've got brilliant balance sheet support so it's totally different to previous recession, previous recessions where they were heavily geared and uh, faced uh, were close to insolvency in a downturn. Current circumstances, nothing like that whatsoever. The opposite. They're sitting. It's sitting on nearly a billion in net cash. Barrett Developments is so. Uh, for patient investors, earnings are likely to recover. I think. Well, you have got heavy tax and regulatory burdens on those on that sector now. Uh, next, I looked at Johnson Services. I've gone amber on this. Inline update for 2022. Not much debt. PE of 14 looks about right. Creo, Creo Medical, C-R-E-O. I'm red on this. That means high risk, um, negative view. It's just rapidly burning through the cash pile. I think it'll need a fundraise imminently. So I, I think it's uninvestable until refinanced. IQE, I don't get the valuation on this. 400 million, it just looks far too high, I think. It's a vague update. Sounds like a concealed profit warning. I'm just not impressed with that. Very capital intensive. Doesn't seem to generate cash flows. So I don't understand why IQE is valued at 400 million. 
QXT Quicksent strong rebound. Sorry, strong, strong trading continued into Q4. Uh, this looks good. I've gone green on this one. Uh, it's a revenue beat, slight beat for for profits in 2022, and upbeat on outlook. So yeah, Quicksand looks quite good. Ashted Technology. I think this looks interesting. It's a 2021 float. It's done well, and forecasts are rising. Uh, yeah, so that I think that's worth uh, readers having a look at that one. Potentially interesting. As I say, I'm only doing quick reviews of these things, so I'm not, you know, I, I haven't had the time to go into them in proper detail that you need to do if you're going to put real money on the line with these things. So these are just flagging up potential um, things for you to have a look at in more depth, as always. MPAC uh, inline update for 2022, and they're, and they're saying H2 is better than H1. I'm, I'm, I don't have any particular strong view on, on MPAC. I should say it's. Uh, you probably need to press pause because I'm rattling through these. If anything s- sounds interesting to you, because I'm rattling through them so fast, but I've got to to get through 62 companies. Right, Tuesday the 17th, quiz put out a good update. Now a couple of the re- well, no one reader in particular said, "Why are you covering this company? It's awful." Well, no, it's not. It's good. It's performing well, at least in line. Um, again, is the same wording that they used. Before Christmas, it's a March year end. Healthy cash, which is about half the market cap, is net cash. Uh, yes, it did a pre-pack administration in in 2020, but the whole sector was uh, has had to restructure pretty much. So um, I'm not saying it's the best quality business in the world, of course. Quiz this is, but um, everything's got a price and it's cheap. So um, and uh, it's turned around quite nicely, but um, at the expense of creditors, as one reader did point out, that's a valid point. Uh, but it's always a case, isn't it, where you know when you have ad- administrations, do you prioritise saving the company and saving the jobs so it can carry on, or? you know, trying to squeeze every last penny out for the creditors. I mean, ideally, you want to do both. But the most pragmatic solution normally when a business isn't viable is to just um, restructure it through an administration. And if, you know, if you're one of the unsecured creditors, unfortunately, the brutal truth is you've taken that risk um, and uh, paid the price for it. You know, as my old corporate lawyer used to say to me, Paul, all sales are a gift until the customer's paid for them. It's harsh, but that's the truth. Next, Revolution Bars, RBG, put out a a rather, well, it's a profit warning. It expects to be at the lower end of the forecast range, which is 6.7 million EBITDA. This is for June 2022. Again, not a great business if we're we're completely truthful on this. Um, Horrible, horrible sector at the moment, hospitality. Um, But it's incredibly cheap. I don't. I don't like the level of net debt. I think this deal to buy Peach Pubs was a mistake. Uh, you know, they're gearing it up right at the wrong time. What on earth or management thinking? So I'm only amber on on Revolution Bars at the moment because of this um, this debt and it's just a hideous sector. UBG next Unbound Group. I'm red on that. I think it's. I think it's pretty much bust. I don't see any value in that because the bank debt is close to its limit. Um, uh, directors are doing modest purchases in the market, but I, I think they genuinely believe in it because they, um, you know, they've lost a lot of money personally on this this absolute dog. Uh, I, I just wouldn't risk getting involved. It's a barge pole one for me. Also, I won't forget the fact that management were dishonest when I interviewed them. They told me they weren't going to raise money, and two weeks later they did a deeply discounted placing. So, as far as I'm concerned, that makes it a barge pole forever. If you can't trust management. I wouldn't go near it. 
next National World NWOR. Uh, EBITDA ahead of expectations, but doing a little bit of digging, that it was actually 7% down on 2021. There's a maiden divvy coming. The main attraction of this newspaper publisher is it's got loads of cash. £27 million, and it's about 45% of the market cap. Highly experienced management team as well. So I think this one could be interesting. So I'm Amber on National World. Equals, E-Q-L-S. I'm only Amber on Equals, which might surprise you, um, because it's put out a whole series of good updates. It's slightly ahead of previously raised forecast, but the EBITDA number's nonsense because they capitalise 20% of their payroll costs. So forget EBITDA. These Forex... Uh, companies are all doing well at the moment. Um, you have to ask yourself, is it kind of a, a purple patch that they're in? Is it sustainable at this uh, level? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, w- I do want to look into the products and services more closely with equals. But so far, you know, the share's done really, really well. Um, and the, excuse me. There we are. <laughs> the regulation hiccup. So uh, worth a closer look, I think, for equals. Right, the Hutt Group. I'm red on this, I'm sorry. It's a real mess, this. THG. Profit warning. Uh, very complicated trading update, I've said here, for December of 2022. They've reduced EBITDA gu- guidance, but again, EBITDA's absolute fantasy there. It, it's actually loss-making at a PBT level. Um, too much debt. Uh, it's got a big restructuring job to do at THG, as have ASOS and various other uh, online companies that really, and Boohoo, I think, that that did much too rapid growth. And, um, uh, you know, the market's not interested now in companies that lose money and chase growth. The market wants profits. It's totally changed the whole thing. So if you think these companies can, can restructure and become profitable, they could be worth a look. But it's a, it's a big job to turn around something like that. Next, McBride. We're red on this one. Um, huge net debt. Graham covered it. Uh, although, as I've pointed out, it has got a very generous bank deal. The bank have given it time and space. Its main problem is it didn't really make a lot of money pre-pandemic, but then the raw materials prices have gone through the roof, so it's in that process of trying to pass those on to the customers who obviously resist it. doesn't have a lot of pricing power. So, no, I don't, I don't think that one's worth it, uh, McBride. Ramstons, we're green on this. RFX, uh, head of expectations for September 22 results. And broker forecast raised by 5%. Graham likes that one, and I can see why. Next, DPP, DP Poland. I've been charitable here and, and, and marked it as amber, but I think really it's red. 60 million market cap's ridiculous. Neither Graham and I can understand why it's valued at that. It's, uh, it, it's a slight miss for 2022, which is loss-making. Hopes to eke out a tiny EBITDA profit in 2023. It's just a crock. And what, DPP, why it's valued at 60 million? It's a ludicrous valuation, I think, for a pretty rubbish business. Right, on to Wednesday, ITM Power. And a really, really unusual thing this is. I mean, this is a, 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 an incredible... The figures are incredible. It's raised a tonne of money. It's got through... Well, had £318 million cash pile, I think, in October last year. Uh, but it's guided, guiding to burn through over £100 million this year on operating losses and, and um, CapEx. Um, now, I would call CapEx cash burn if, if in, unless it's in freehold property or valuable machinery that can be resold because it's not clear that ITM has a viable business model. It's a hugely ambitious project, um, but I think the shares are very high risk. 
Uh, it's got two or three years cash in the bank, so it's it's got to work over the next two or three years, really, or uh, you'll end up in trouble with that one. Um, Spectral MD, I had a quick look at this. Um, it's funded entirely by grants, a medical blue sky project. I think it's intriguing, but I can't rate it. It's got to be red colour coding for the time being, and because you know it's totally dependent on this grant income. Uh, Boku, I looked at interesting uh, company there. I'm amber on that. I haven't looked at it for three years, and it's made made good progress in line with expectations for 2022. Uh, it's profitable, but the shares look expensive. And have a look at the share options there. They're really outrageous. Management uh, have got their fingers in the till to a multi-million uh, extent every year, which really puts me off. It's very... Because it's not paying dividends, so it's obvious whose who's benefit the company is being run for, and it's not shareholders. <coughs> uh, uh, Graham looked at H&T, this pawnbrokers. That's been, the shares have done really well. The company's trading well, in line with expectations. Prospects for 2023 are good, obviously, given the cost of living squeeze. So, yeah, we're green on that. Uh, Midwich, I, I reviewed this. MIDW, I'm green here. Comfortably ahead, trading update and good outlook. Valuation looks reasonable, so I've given that a thumbs up. Team 17 said it's ahead of expectations. Uh, Graham thought the shares looked fully priced. Alpha FX, another of these FX outfits ahead of expectations. Uh, now, this is interesting. Um, driven by interest income, these companies sit on massive cash piles belonging to the clients. Of course, now they're earning interest on that. So um, you do wonder if the clients will start actually asking to be paid credit interest on the cash balances they leave with these type of companies. Um, so I wouldn't bet on the interest income necessarily uh, uh, remaining 100% intact. But, uh, yeah, the, these guys are doing very, very well. Although Graham thinks the shares look a bit expensive now on Alpha FX. What do we have next? Oh, Eagle Eye. I've turned green on this one. Yeah, um, <clears throat> EYE, H1 trading update in line. Uh, you can really start to see the strong organic growth now and the organic uh, and the operational gearing really starting to come through in the numbers now. Uh, again, ignore EBITDA because they're capitalising a tonne of costs. But I think this is looking a very interesting growth company. And I can start to see why the valuation might make sense. Right, on to Thursday. Boohoo. Uh, in line with expectations, it says. But Zeus uh, lowers the full-year forecasts by about 10 million to an 8.5 million uh, loss for February 2023. Again, ignore EBITDA here. Um, they're starting to get the business model more focused on profitability now so there's cost cutting uh underway and supply chain that is starting to improve as well so i've concluded with boohoo possibly over the worst now but you know 600 million valuation doesn't really strike me as a bargain if we're in a new world now of e-commerce businesses just being valued like normal businesses which it does seem to be the case um so, yeah, I'm not tempted to go back in yet to Boohoo yet. I'm, I'm watching that one. Judges, Judges Scientific, JDG, Graham looked at that. Great business, but recent order intake is low. So we think it's, with an uncertain outlook and, and high valuation, we're not particularly bullish on that. Whilst accepting it's been an absolutely amazing, serious multi-bagger over the years. 
Frontier Development, Graham looked at it again. Now, Graham's actually gone green on this because mainly, mainly because it's dropped so much um, <clears throat> on profit warnings and so on. But it seems there's a wide range of potential profit outcomes as the company flags. But Graham thinks it's fallen so much it's starting to look cheap. WPS, Graham had a quick look at. Really um, quite unusual company there. Yeah, I'm not sure. Hang on, it's gone on to the wrong thing. Let's go jump back to Frontier. Yeah, here we are, WPS, WAG Payment Solutions. Quite unusual, <clears throat> but it's um, making a big acquisition using cash and debt, so it'll end up highly geared, so we're not quite sure on that one. Zotfoam, ZTF, one of my favourite. Another ahead of expectations update. Strong end to 2022. I really like this, really nice GARP share, and I love the resource project which is its blue sky project within the business that you get for free i wouldn't say valuation is a bargain at the moment i i think it's probably up with events zotfoams priced about right but i'm looking with my imminent cash pile i'm looking to take a starter position in this one just as a long-term buy and hold forever type of thing because i think uh, i do like the prospects for resource i think management are very good i think it's uh, a nice niche business with good profit margins now they've revamped all their all their factories and they own the freehold for the factories too now lion trust asset manager i think i looked at this one which is unusual looking for me looking at fund managers p of 12 six percent dividend yield yeah i'll give it a thumbs up I think fund, the fund management sector currently is a good sector to look at. Graham normally covers them all. It's just it's just a cyclical thing, isn't it? They're starting to report um, fund outflows stopping, uh, with markets starting to go up again. Customers tend to be happier and stay put, and you might even start to see inflows, as we did in 2021. So it's very cyclical, quite predictable in a way, just a boom-and-bust sector. So it's obvious that you buy fund managers... Uh, you know when you're in the bust phase because providing they've got strong balance sheets they'll 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 recover when when the markets turn up again so yeah nice easy way to play the stock market cycle i'd say and get dividends along the way engage xr i've got i'm red on this it's a barge pole share uh <coughs> due to run out of cash in may 2023 the last thing we want to be in at the moment is in any company that needs to raise money imminently because the market's just not interested so they end up either delisting, uh, which means you you take a hefty loss when they announce that, or they just have to do a deeply discounted placing. And 80 to 90% discounts are not uncommon at the moment. So it's the worst possible place to be, is in any share that needs fresh equity right now. I can't emphasise that point enough. You know, you need to check everything in your portfolio and make sure, you know, I mean, I took a risk with Seraphine, but I'll come on to that shortly right curries now peak trading update was okay uk up international down the ticker here c-u-r-y obviously the the huge uh, electricals chain um but it did put a profit warning out in december i i don't like the the finances here it's very well not it's a weak balance sheet it's high risk because it's totally dependent on the trade creditors who will uh, multi-billions which will probably be using trade credit insurance so if the trade credit insurance guys decide to pull or reduce cover curries could be in trouble i think it it's it's on a p a low pe for a reason because it's risky if if there's a consumer downturn but actually they did all right selling electrical goods over christmas which we also saw from ao.com and um 
and Mark's Electrical. So the electrical retailers <coughs> seem to have done better than um, <coughs> expected over Christmas. Crimson Tide, T-I-D-E, interesting nano cap. I quite like this. It's trying to scale up. And it's got the cash on its balance sheet to run at a loss for a little while. Um, yeah, worth a look. It's pricey for where it's currently got to. But I think I, I, I'm keeping half an eye on that one. I've been following it for several years, Crimson Tide. Uh, not cheap, but um, you know, if you're looking for something speculative, that might be worth a look. See what you think. Uh, STM, I don't like that one. Um, but it's a potentially interesting special situation, so I've got amber on it. Cash is almost equal to the market cap. Unusual balance sheet. I saw that there's a big insurance claim within debtors and then a, a liability within creditors. So you need to understand that insurance claim, what it is and what the outcome's likely to be. And you always have to bear in mind that companies always tell you a positive story about anything to do with uh, any dispute. Um, it doesn't always turn out as they, as they say, generally. I'm not giving a view on this particular one. Uh, so, yeah, special situation. Management also say they're looking to, to ways to restructure and unlock um, shareholder value. So STM could be interesting. <coughs> Galliford Tri, I've gone green on this one, GFRD. Uh, H1 trading update, I thought looked OK, in line with expectations. Now, this one, just be careful on this because it's got a massive cash pile. And I've heard quite a few people, including fund managers, say, oh, the cash pile's more than the market cap. You know, But you've got to bear in mind, actually, if you look at the... It's all offset by creditors. It's the customer's money that they've paid up front. Net tangible asset value for the business as a whole is only £35 million. Um, so do bear that in mind. Now, that's fine if they can keep the plate spinning and keep the customers paying up front. Uh, <coughs> but you do have that risk that maybe something will change and the customers will stop paying up front, in which case the cash disappears. So it is a risk. But uh, Galliford Try, they've got a good outlook, 5.5% yield, very, very low margin contracting business. So I don't invest in that sector. But if you if you must invest in that sector, I think Galliford Try looks quite interesting. So for that reason, I'm green on it. Right, a few more. What's TIFFS? T-I-F-S. Oop. Not the right thing, cursor. Oh, TI Fluid Systems. I, I looked at this, but it's it's large and complex, providing um, components to the car industry. There's lots of different factories. Possible turnaround, I've put here, as, the car, as car production recovers over the next few years, maybe. But it does say the outlook is challenging and it's got lots of debt. So I think that one could go either way. It needs a lot of research. Accesso, A-C-S-O, the uh, online ticketing and queuing group uh it says it's won 18 new clients but no figures it says 2022 was strong but no detail it's on a forward pe of 38 so this thing really needs to thrash forecasts to justify that and the fact that they've not said they're ahead of expectations for 2022 maybe they're still reconciling the figures i don't know it could do well from the leisure sector rebounding which is obviously why the shares are, are priced the way they are but uh, I'd, I'd want more facts and figures to, to get bullish on that one. What next? Ibstock, I-B-S-T. This is one of the brick uh, companies. Now, a good update for 2022, although it does say volumes are starting to decrease. And the forecasts for 2023 are obviously coming down much more cautious. It's done a pension buy-in. Uh, that's, I think, the third company I've noticed doing that. Um, I really must look at these pension buy-ins. There's also TTG and Robinson Group that have done those. That's where a pension scheme that's in surplus is sold to um, 
um, one of the big life insurance companies, I think it's L&G that are doing a lot of these, who take on all the liabilities um, and, to, and the assets and then sort of give a guarantee that there won't be any more call on the company for any future funding, which is obviously a hugely bullish thing for the companies concerned. So that's a really an area that needs um, some work by us generally. Gately, GTLY, interims look OK, but it's uh, flagging tougher conditions in H2. So I'm amber on that one. Good divvies historically. I'm not keen on these on these um, legal services businesses generally, because you've just got that inherent conflict of interest between the fee owners and the outside shareholders. But if you have to invest in one of them, then I think Gately is probably the one that's fared better than others some of the others smart space smrt i've had to go red on this one i know some of my friends hold this one so sorry guys um it did say trading in line for january 2023 year end but um imminently uh (coughs) but i'm concerned at the sudden exit of the auditors just before the year end Something's obviously gone wrong. The auditors didn't flag any concerns in the letter, but they rare, very rarely do. So I'm, I'm until there's more detail on why the auditors resigned, I'm going to uh, give that one a wide berth. Right, on to Friday. Oh, dear. Red letter day. I think, is that the phrase? I had a spectacular success on Friday. Uh, those are words that I've not said for a long time. <laughs> Hang on, I'll just, I'll just pop my coffee in the microwave. Bear with me. Yeah, what worked out on Friday really tremendously well for me was Seraphine, ticker bump, B-U-M-P. Now, uh, it got a premium price takeover bid from its 43% existing shareholder, Mayfair Capital, who's taking it private at 30 pence a share in cash, uh, agreed, recommended bid. So they tend to pretty much always go through, very, very unlikely to fall through, I would imagine, but you never know. Um, uh, that's a 200% premium. The shares were trading at about 9 or 10 pence last week. So this is an amazing, I've called it a lucky escape. I was a bit harsh on myself on Friday's report, I think, saying that, you know, I'd taken too much risk with this. I shouldn't really have had such a big position in it because it was my largest personal holding. Uh, but, you know, I took a calculated risk on it. Um, I was having kittens about it, and it was a very stressful position. But I took the view that it probably wasn't going to go bust um, because it had um, uh, venture capital backing as a major shareholder. Uh, I had a couple of long chats with management as well. Uh, they didn't tell me anything inside, obviously. Even if they did, you know, it wouldn't have mattered because I, I hadn't traded the shares for a while. Um <clears throat> And basically, you know, they said, look, the bank are really supportive. Mayfair Capital's really supportive. I mean, you know, companies always say that, don't they? But I took the view it was unlikely that the bank would withdraw support for a, a venture book, venture capital-backed company. And it was only about five, three and a half million net debt anyway. So it's not, that wasn't significant. HSBC backed them solidly and amended the, the covenants in their favour. So that was a, a key sign that actually the bank were, were, were probably going to stay in for the long haul. Um, series of profit warnings obviously crashed the company's performance. And um, what else was I going to say on this one? Oh, yeah, they were massively overstocked. And basically the stock was continuity stock, 70% of it. So it doesn't go in and out of fashion. So all they had to do to get the finances back on track was just deplete this massive overstocking position. 
I spoke to the new FD, Lee Williams, formerly of French Connection, who did a really good job there. And he said something key to me in one of our chats. He just said, look, he said, this is not a broken business. He said, you know, all we need to do is just, you know, get this warehouse full of stock sold, um, turn it into cash, uh, and that will straighten the, 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 the position out. Now, obviously, that's easier said than done. And going into a consumer downturn, I think the business is struggling. But anyway, um, another key thing here is the costs of listing were really excessive. It, it took a main market listing, not AIM. And, the, and, and I was staggered when they told me that the, the total costs of listing, including a load of sort of overheads that come along with it, was about a million pounds a year, which is madness. So I said to them, look, why don't you just switch to AIM? If you if you move the listing from the main market to AIM, you know, you it, you get those costs down to as low as 200 grand. Um, so I was hoping that's what they'd do. But anyway, look, bottom line, my average price to buy in was 21p. I averaged down. And so an exit at 30p, when I was 60% down to getting an exit at nearly 50% up, I'm more than happy with that. And I sent management an email to thank them. They had quite chunky personal shareholdings, particularly the CEO. So they were personally incentivized as well to negotiate a good outcome. I think in the circumstances, in the circumstances, I think they've done a good job. And as they said in the announcement, um, <clears throat> The alternative was they'd have to, you know, take it private or do a highly dilutive fundraise on the equity markets. So that was always the big risk. So I took a calculated gamble on this and it paid off. But I don't think I'm going to take that level of risk going forward. So imminently, I haven't sold them yet. And I'm going to have to put out one of those bloody form 8.3 things under the takeover panel rules. Because I've got, uh, it's only a bit over 1%. You have to disclose if you've got over 1% of a company. I've got about 1.2 or 1.25% or something like that, which I didn't realise. So, But anyway, um, so I've, I've, I've got to get that form out on, on Monday. So that's in the in the, in the uh, in tray. Um, so it's been a nice payday for me, this one. Well, <laughs> I mustn't count my chickens. I haven't sold them yet. Uh... I think it's very unlikely the bid falls through. The other question is, do you do you hold out for a higher bid? That is possible, although obviously Mayfair Partners would have to be convinced. I think in this situation, I don't know, I haven't spoken to Mayfair Partners, but I would imagine they're buying it partly to avoid the embarrassment and awkwardness of it actually going bust or, or massively diluting everyone, but partly also because it's not costing them very much to take it private. And they bought it last time for about 50 million. This time they're buying it for 15 million, the bit that they don't own. Strip out the listing costs, uh, pump in some more capital to get it back into growth mode. They're going to make money, aren't they, from this point? You know, they'll probably sell it back to us for 100 million or something in a couple of years' time. So, but I think if somebody comes along to Mayfair Partners and says to them, look, we'll pay 50p a share or 60p a share, I, I would imagine they'd take that quite seriously. Um, and it's an interesting niche brand. So I do think there's a faint, very faint possibility of a higher competing bid. But it would obviously have to be agreed by Mayfair. <coughs> That's the wild card. It's risk reward, isn't it? I might sell half of them at 29.2p or whatever it is in the market, just just in case. You know, it's not a binary decision with takeover bids, whether to sell in the market or not. Sometimes I think selling half uh, just locks in your gain. And um, 
if anything good happens after that, all, all well and good. So, yeah, I'm delighted with that, but I fully accept I did take uh, um, quite a big risk on it. The works, WRKS, I'm red on this one, sorry. I thought the, the H1 results were no good. Um, <clears throat> but it, but it, it, H1 is seasonally much much weaker. But I wouldn't waste any time on, on the works. I think um, Card Factory and Shoe Zone are vastly superior, so those are the ones to focus on if you want to want a value retailer. But I suppose, you know, the works... I don't know. It's it, I, I wouldn't bother with it. Luceco, if that's the way to pronounce it, L-U-C-E, that rose 20% on Thursday on a... <coughs> excuse me. Pretty good trading update for 2022. It's a bit mixed, actually. They did say upper end of previous guidance. Uh, and margins are up. Um, the outlook's a bit mixed, though, uh, with demand from house builders down. I think they're quite reliant on LED lighting. Um, I particularly like that they've reduced the net debt very considerably by reducing inventories and receivables, because that was a concern. But it's down from fifty-four million to twenty-four million in just six months. That's brilliant. So I think they're getting this business back on track. I was a little bit um, even-handed on it when I wrote about it on Friday, but actually, having slept on it, I think I'm a bit more positive than uh, <clears throat> than what did I give it? I probably gave it amber. Yes, so as Amber on um, Friday. I think I'm probably leaning towards green on LUCE. Next, Hotel Chocolat. I don't understand what the share price is doing here. Share price has done really well. Well done to holders. Uh, H1 trading was in line with expectations, but the way they worded the update, it made it sound like they've hit the ball out of the park. I just, I have no idea why the share price is so strong on Hotel Chocolat. The valuation doesn't make any sense to me. So obviously the market's seeing something that I can't see. So good luck to you. <coughs> Finsbury Food, I'm green on this. Inline update for financial year June 23. I think this is really good value. Eight times PER. It's uh, an accomplished, well-run business, I think. It's done well at passing through price rises to its customers in this inflationary environment. Yeah, I really like Finsbury Food, FIF. It's always cheap. I don't understand why the stock market doesn't like it. So with my new cash pile, when I get the money from Seraphine, Finsbury Food is on my list to just buy uh, a starter position. Dr. Martin's profit warning, DOCS, not a small cap, but dot, 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 dropped 31%. I've been looking at this in a bit more detail. Can't find any broker research, which is a real nuisance. I think this might be starting to look cheap because although they've got all these logistical problems, their US warehouse seems to have fallen over. Uh, it's still saying EBITDA of 250 to 260 million. Valuations really dropped, but it was one of these overpriced private equity floats. Pamira still have a big holding in it. Um, 1.4 billion market cap. Might be worth a look that one, actually. Uh, Headlam, H-E-A-D. I like this one. It's one of my, one of my favourite GARP shares. Uh, still looks good value. 9.7 times forward PE. A strong balance sheet, loads of freeholds, doing lots doing quite sizable share buybacks, gets a thumbs up from me, and marginally ahead of market expectations for 2022. I'm talking to Likewise, L-I-K-E, the challenger um, 
floor coverings distributing company, which is being built up quite rapidly by Tony Brewer, who was the CEO of Headland for about 16 years, I think. So I'm looking forward to having a, a chat with him on Monday. I hope he's forgiving because I've been slightly rude about him in uh, some of my previous comments on Stockopedia. So uh, let's hope he hasn't taken offence. I'm sure he's big and ugly enough to be able to take a bit of criticism. And um, who knows? Um, I, I do quite like Likewise, actually, looking at it. If they can get the margins up once they've grown, uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens there. WRKS. Oh, that seems to be... Oh, we, we've talked about that already. Paypoint. Graham looked at this. We think it, We both think it looks quite interesting, quite cheap. It's buying Appreciate. A double P that was listed, the gift card, um, Christmas savings thing. Miri, M-I-R-E, what a joke, our, our announcement announcement from this. Myriad Advertising, talk about putting lipstick on a pig. It's put itself up for sale because it's running out of money. I've called the, the announcement PR garbage. They're saying it's cheap, it's undervalued. And they reckon uh, they'll be able to sell it or, you know, they're considering all options... Very, very high risk. I think it's a complete barge pole. It's one of the worst performing companies on the market and it's running out of money. So I wouldn't be taken in by the guff there. But you never know. Somebody might come in and say, oh, this thing's marvellous and pay up for it. But why take that risk? Gear for Music Update G4M. A little bit disappointing. I think it was in line or slightly below. They've managed to lower demand and margins um, as this is another one where they're trying to clear excessive stocks, so they're having to mark down a little bit to get rid of some of that. Uh, but e-commerce businesses have got good flexible overhead bases, and they've managed to reduce labour and marketing spend to compensate, or largely compensate, or mitigate. Uh, but it's only forecast to make one million profit before tax for March 2023. Very low market cap, though, on Gear for Music. I've said here, I just think overall it's a bit lacklustre, so I'm not going to buy back into Gear for Music just yet, but it remains on my on my watch list. Right, last one of the 62 companies I've rattled through here. Uh, STB, I think that's called Secure Trust Bank. Um, Graham said it's superficially cheap trading okay might be priced right given the gearing um, forecasts were adjusted lower I think some of the readers like that now unfortunately I haven't really got time to go through the reader comments but again superlative reader comments thank you to everyone I did promise to say uh, a hat tip to Abtan again for his wonderful spreadsheets he put up another one I'm assuming uh, Abtan's male. Most of the readers are. We need more women. Let's get more water. It's a welcoming environment to female investors, I hope. I try to make it that way anyway. We definitely want a more diverse readership base. Um, <clears throat> and um, there must be more gays out there. I can't be the only one, surely. Am I the only gay in the village, I wonder? Oh, well. So, um, macro. What have we got? Yes, um... Signs of catching up in some sectors, I think. Uh, you know, pent-up demand, maybe. The ones that made me think of that were Quixent and MPAC. Uh, maybe some orders were deferred due to COVID, so that's uh, a possible theme to look out for. Uh, higher interest rates. Now, this should be causing lower equity values, So, because obviously there's now an alternative to equities. You don't have to put money in equities to make a return now. Cash and bonds are giving better yields than they were during the 14 years of QE and zero interest rates. So I'm a bit suspicious about higher share prices and high PEs returning. I don't think those will necessarily stick. As I said in last week's podcast, I'm, I am nervous about this big 
big, big, big rally that we've had from it with everything really since October. I'm I'm nervous about buying into that. So when I get my cash pile, I'm going to probably keep half of it back. I think uh, for for when decent companies put out profit warnings because there's lots of profit warnings coming through. I'm keeping this spreadsheet of them all, but again, that's an absolute monster to update. So I, I don't think it's picking up all of them. But there are more profit warnings than ahead of expectations um, updates at the moment. What else? Oh, yes, uh, I've covered that. Uh, oh, yeah, a lot of these irrational spikes up in small cap shares that are just doing these vertical rises. Again, I mentioned this last week. I do think those are generally um, opportunities to top slice or selling opportunities, not buying opportunities. Um, because as we saw, a good example was Gear for Music, actually. just suddenly went from a pound to pound fifty in about three days with no news. And it's come all the way back down again, because it turns out trading wasn't that great. So I do think you know, big spike spikes up in small microcaps for no apparent reason. I think I think it's sensible to to top slice into those. Uh, oh, redemptions might be starting to draw to a close. I covered this point earlier. This is for fund managers because Lion Trust showed that actually its assets under management have started to rise again. And generally, <coughs> it's a pretty uh, direct correlation when markets fall. People get nervous and tend to redeem their money because they're scared of losing more. Of course, that's the opposite of what they should be doing. When markets have fallen a lot, you should be putting more money in. And then they do it the other way. When funds outperform, people buy them. And the fund manager then has to chase stocks that they know are overpriced um, because they've got fund inflows. So, yeah... That's that one. Um, another pension buy-in at Ibstock. I've covered that. Now, December retail sales in the US fell, apparently, blamed on monetary tightening, uh, which is sapping consumer confidence. I just picked that up off the newswires. Also, some quite big job cutting in uh, big tech in America. Microsoft laying off 10,000 people. Amazon, and I think Google are laying people off as well. Now, this is interesting. Andrew Bailey of the Bank of England said... I quote, inflation will fall quite rapidly in 2023, uh, probably starting in late spring. And a lot of it that has to do with energy uh, wholesale prices falling, he says. Now, if the Bank of England's telling us that, that they see the outlook for inflation to fall quite, quite rapidly with the words he used, that says to me that they're probably almost done on the interest rate rises, aren't they? Um, <clears throat> which is pretty uh, pretty bullish for equities. Now, uh, Luceco, L-U-C-E, I just want to f- flag up, this was one of several companies that now is saying lower freight costs and lower f- uh, and f- a very big favourable movement in sterling against the dollar have moved, they use the, the words, moved in our favour. So that is, is pretty bullish for H2 of 2023 when all the hedges have flowed through for inflation coming down and companies rebuilding their gross margins i think so that could be a very interesting theme as 2023 develops last year's headwinds being this year's tailwinds oh my god we're almost out of time uh i think tanker tax ices looking for a cap on those share sock flags that hargreave lambs down iii and aj bell are now allowing uh, AGM votes for nominee shareholders. That's a fantastic breakthrough. A lot of us have been campaigning for this for over 20 years. I think you can also attend meetings virtually, it's saying. So that's, at long last, the the brokers and the financial system is being dragged 
into the 21st century. It's so archaic, our system. It's really frustrating. There are so many quick wins if they just swept away, uh, modernised the financial system that would really get markets going again. Consumer confidence is terrible. Dropped to minus 45 in January from minus 42 in December. Well, no shit, Sherlock. That's no surprise to anyone, is it? But life goes on. Uh, UK retail sales in December apparently were weak as well, but I haven't seen the data. And bear in mind that journalists usually usually muddle up volume and value, which are key. Because obviously volumes are down, because prices have gone up so much. But that seems to go over the heads of... Um, most commentators. The other thing is that the oil price is rising, I know. I've got to stop because the file size will be too big. Bye!